When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of Women in the Leadership Podcast. This is episode 116, brought to you by Podcasting with Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become that influential voice in your industry with a podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the Podcasting Queen. Now, my guest today says, identifying your competitors and how you measure up to them is key to marketplace success. Now, joining me on today's show is Maria Pesson. Maria has been in the fashion industry for more than 30 years and she started her consulting business six years ago and she now works with fashion brands to bring concept to commercial ability. Now on today's show, Marie is going to share always be learning and growing in your business. She's going to talk about how to make sure your product is excellent no matter what it is as well as focus is such a big component of success. You can't do everything, so do a few things really well. Love what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the show, Maria. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. A 30-year veteran in your industry, I'm sure you would have seen quite a number of things change over that period. But firstly, just share with us a bit of an insight. How did you get into the fashion industry, Maria? Well, um, when I was a child... I wanted to be in business. So I would play business. I would take paper, cut them up into squares, get pens, set up my mother's desk, and I was in business. That's all I knew because I grew up in a blue-collar family, knew nothing about business and how businesses were run, didn't even know like what a receptionist did. So I played business. Yeah. And I liked that game because I thought, here's an opportunity for me to go past what I've been raised to be and be something more. Yes. I grew up at a time when women were really not working. You know, the people that were my role models, they were all homemakers. They mm -hmm. didn't have jobs, they got pregnant. They didn't even wait till they gave birth. They got pregnant and they quit the job. <laughs> and their husbands were the ones that were the breadwinners. Yeah. So it was very unusual for me to want to do more than that, but mm. I really wanted to do that. So I decided at a very young age in the 60s and early 70s that I was going to be different. Also, I come from a blue collar family. So yeah. not only were the women not in business, the men weren't in business either. So wow. I had no role models. <laughs> and I, my father's one of 10, my mother's one of four. There's a lot of people not to have role models. And they were the youngest. So there was like tons of tons of cousins. And, you know, nobody worked in an office with a wow. career and I was I wanted to do that I used to tell my parents 
I'm going to be rich. Yeah. And they'd go, oh, that's very nice. That's nice, honey. Yeah. But <laughs> I had a really rewarding career. I went into fashion because I knew I wanted to go into business. I didn't know which business I wanted. And my best friend was going into fashion. I thought, all right, I'll do that. So how many years later, she decided to become a nurse. And 20 years now, she's been a nurse. And I'm still in the fashion business. So for me, it's been a very rewarding career. So yes. I've enjoyed it quite wow. a bit. And, and do you have any siblings, Maria? The business. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I have a sister and two brothers, and I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. So you would have been paving the way. Are any other of your siblings entrepreneurial and in business? No. no. Isn't that amazing? that's not. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. They didn't go that path. Yeah. They've had good jobs and, you know, they've been working hard and making money. You know, when I was younger, I used to think everybody should have a career and that's the only way to go. But, you know, some of them have pensions. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get pensions in the fashion industry. So I think, you know, yeah. maybe their way isn't so wrong after all. Yeah. When you started in that industry, were there other women who were paving the way? I'm assuming that back then there were very limited amounts of women that were in that industry. Take us back just to give us a bit of a context. Well, Women were in the fashion industry, but they had low-level jobs. There was very few women at the top. And even now, there's much more men at the top than there are women. Mm. And that's just the nature of work. You know, when I first started working, the wanteds had male and female jobs. They were listed separately. So yes. a woman could be a secretary, but a man wouldn't be a secretary, God forbid. And, yeah. You know, a man could be, you know, an executive, but a woman wasn't an executive so that changed over time yes thank goodness as well so i'd imagine Tell me about it yeah you would have had to overcome a lot of hurdles looking back i mean hindsight is such a fantastic uh teacher and i know that many women who are in say startup businesses in the tech industry and a lot of uh industries that are traditionally male oriented they're finding that they're um, similar challenges and expectations and presumptions they're now challenged with and I'm sure you did back then so what are some things that you learned and did that perhaps some of the younger women that and, and some of the older women too that are tapping into these industries that are quite more male focused what were some of the things you did that you know could hold them in good stead as they continue to build their careers in these industries well one thing that I did do is I didn't see myself as a woman trying to make it in a man's world I saw myself as a worker who tried to make it in an industry yeah. where I could be successful. So um, I don't know if this is going to be popular or not, but I remember I would I was doing this group therapy. Mm -hmm. I had a therapist. I was doing group therapy. I was always very anxious, and so mm -hmm. I decided to do this. And I remember one of the women in the group was an architect. And in those days, architecture was really wow. male-oriented. And she used to complain about how the men would treat her. They would treat her rather poorly. And I thought, you know, I, I understand how you feel, but if you, if you separate yourself and you think of yourself as different and not the same as them, you're going to have further problems. Mm. I always thought of myself as the same as everybody else. And I just had different expectations. Also, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of women 
who were brilliant and successful. So I learned from them. Mm-hmm. But I think when you think of yourself as being challenged, you end up being more challenged. Yes. When you think of yourself as being the same, you don't look at it as them looking at you as a woman, not able to do it, but you look at them as a woman who's, or a worker who's just yeah. competing in the working world mm-hmm. and the working world is very competitive so yes. you don't have to be male or female yeah i totally female. agree with what you're saying there and you know one of the things one of my mentors shared with me many years ago was that you will often seek the evidence that you need to prove your beliefs are true so if you think well i'm i'm this is happening to me because i'm a woman then you're going to look for that evidence but if you say well hang on a minute we're all the same because we are um and and so I, I love the way that you've said that what are some other things that you found uh were quite crucial in in the growth and in the i mean you you say that always be learning and growing has that been something that you've always done throughout your career huge huge mm. um every job i ever got i wanted to see that they provided growth and opportunity for me to do more yes so i actually in my early times in my career, I never really cared about the money. I was more cognizant of the career opportunity. What would it make of me? Would it push me outside my comfort zone? I'm a big believer in pushing yourself out of your comfort zone so that you do more and are more. Yeah. You know, you, you've heard the term circle of influence, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So you do, you have your circle of influence, whatever you do in that circle is your comfort level. You're confident in it. You know what to do. You know how to behave. But you do have something outside of your comfort level, and then your circle of influence expands. Mm. So I always worked on expanding that circle of influence. So every job I went to, I wanted to know not only will I learn a lot, Mm. but what the growth opportunities were in that position, what it would make of me. when I was a salesperson, I wanted to be a sales manager. When I was a sales manager, I wanted to be VP of sales. And I wanted to run a division. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be president. And I wanted to be CEO. So I always had my eye on the next step and how I would get there. Yeah. And you know something? Even though I didn't care about the money in the beginning, the money came. Yes. Money always comes. Yes. I love the way that you've shared that because um, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing some posts, just some things that I've been observing. And I know when I worked in the career industry as a career consultant, a lot of the clients came to me when something had occurred in their careers and they needed to make a shift. So they were very reactive. And in business, sometimes what we can do is our focus can be driven by distraction and reaction. But what you've done is you've taken a very proactive approach. You've identified what are the learning opportunities for me because I know that I want to learn and grow and and expand my knowledge and, and experience. And then what's the next level so that the decisions you made continue to build momentum forward. And is that something that you've always done in your career as well? Yes, intuitively, yes. I didn't read a book on it, but I knew that I had to always be learning because I come from a, like I said, a blue collar background, Mm -hmm. very unsophisticated. I didn't even know what, you know, how a receptionist conducted her work, how a company was run. I had no knowledge. So I knew I had to learn all of those things in order Mm -hmm. to get to the next level. You know, some people 
come from families where they go to these amazing colleges, they make great connections, they have a lot of opportunity. I didn't have any of that. Mm. I had to make my own opportunities. Mm. And I think that, you know, making my own opportunities involved getting past where I was. I'm going to give you an example. I worked as an assistant buyer and the, my boss, the buyer, was really kind. She decided that she was going to take me under her wing. Mm. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn kid. I speak like, you know, Vinnie Barberini. Remember <laughs> Vinnie Barberini? You know, that whole like Brooklyn doesn't mm. sound so smart kind of accent. Very unexposed, very unsophisticated. And she taught me. I mean, she taught me how to speak better without mm. so much slang, without so much accent how to um, conduct myself in meetings, going out to dinner, doing anything um, business-related, how to dress for success, as they say. Mm -hmm. So she taught me a lot of things, and, and it really made a difference. So anytime anyone was willing to take me under their wing and teach me, I was so appreciative and so happy, and I always took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has that opportunity, and not everybody recognizes the opportunity you know sometimes people look at that and they take offense like you know oh i'm not good enough mm -hmm. the truth is i wasn't where i wanted to be i yeah. wasn't where i needed to be to be successful so to me that was huge and yes. a great opportunity and took advantage of it yes so you talked about learning always making sure that you had opportunities to learn you had opportunities where people would step forward and support you sort of mentor you through that if there was not, if you, if you started in a new role and you didn't have someone that perhaps came to you and said, well, look, let, let me show you the ropes and, and, and help you learn some things, would you then seek out people and go to them and ask for mentoring? Because sometimes as women, we, we do take a step back, but sometimes we actually need to take that initial step forward and, and ask. How did that work for you? Well, that's a great question. And what I've always done is I read voraciously. So even if I didn't have a mentor to teach me, I read so many books about self-development, business, marketing, mm -hmm. sales, whatever would help me. So I read several books a month, um, mm -hmm. even a week. I tell you, I read a lot of books. <laughs> and I've always found those books to be supportive. And I've taken courses. I've done seminars. I've done everything that I could to get learning because Yes, you mm -hmm. don't always run into the right people or you're limited. You know, you have your boss and my bosses have always been supportive and I've learned from them. So I've been lucky that way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're one person and one point of view. You need to seek a lot of point of views, learn a lot of different things. So books have been really great for me. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I did when I started my consulting business. Just so you know, um, I've been in the business actually 40 years. Yeah. So I've been in longer than 30 and 25 was spent launching and building multi-million dollar businesses. I worked with a company called um, G3. I ran their Sienna studio business from concept to selling Neiman Sachs, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom's, wow. specialty stores, really a lot of people and very profitable. I always had the highest margin with the business. I did that for 17 years. And then after that, um, I ran a business, um, Jessica Simpson, I'm sure you've heard of mm -hmm. that. Um, I did her coat division and we 
built that from zero again to a multi-million dollar business. We sold Macy's, we sold Dillard's, we sold a lot of all, all the best stores. And after that, I decided to start my consulting business. But the truth of it is I didn't know the consulting business. I knew the fashion business, mm. but I didn't know consulting. So I hired consulting experts who coach consultants. Yes. So that I could learn what I didn't know. So if I didn't have somebody who was readily there coaching me, I hired coaches. He's not the first coach I ever hired. I've hired other business coaches. So to me, finding people that can shorten the learning curve mm. was a big asset. So I've reached out to people, I've hired them, and I've worked with them, and they've made a difference. Yes. So that's the thing that I've done. Yeah. I love so that again, you said reading that. reading is everything. Yeah. I love that you said that because sometimes as women, and this speaks beautifully into the last point, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit further, um, you know, being focused is such a big component of success because every single one of us has unique gifts and strengths, and some of the areas of strengths may not necessarily be where, and it's important in the business, but we don't necessarily need to do that ourselves someone else can do that or as you said hire a mentor or a coach to be able to fast track that learning one of the things that you want to talk about and this is important particularly if we're in business and you know it's a competitive industry as you said the fashion industry is very competitive make sure your product is excellent no matter what it is speak a little bit more about that but also I mean yes you say identifying competitors and how you measure up is very important to marketplace success but also what's the unique angle that you bring to the market that can really cut through that noise? I'm sure you've done that through uh, too throughout your career. So speak a bit more about product, making sure it's excellent to really stand out in the marketplace. Okay, so first you come up with your product and it has to have a focus. You know, I have people who come to me and they go, I wanna do dresses, I wanna do handbags, I wanna do shoes. And I say, pick one yeah. and focus on it and do that well, and then branch out into other areas. So that's what I mean by focus. Yes. You know, focus on a particular part of the industry and also focus on a particular customer because you can't be everything to everyone unless you have gazillion dollars and nobody has a gazillion dollars. I think mm -hmm. I made that dollar amount up. And you just don't have the wherewithal. I mean, companies like Nike, they don't, try to market to the entire world they have mm. a specific focus because you really need to get that business right grow that business before you um, branch out into something mm. else mm -hmm. so that's the first thing is to focus the next thing is you have to have product excellence mm. you have to know what you do that stands out in the market because again there are a lot of brands out there there are a lot of people doing things um, I'll give you an example I once worked with a client who wanted to do um, athleisure, which mm. is a big, was a big thing. It's not quite as big as it was, but it's women and men who wear clothing that they wear to the gym and they wear throughout the day. So he was very into doing yoga pants. And I said to him, you know, it's a really crowded market. I don't think you're going to make it. Let's niche it down further mm. so that we have something that makes us stand out from the market. But he didn't want to do that. Mm. And so he was, he didn't have the marketing budget or the wherewithal to do something in a major way in that market. And he ended up not having any business. Mm. And the truth is that you really need to have something that makes you needed in the marketplace. Mm. Because do we really need another line? 
Do we need another cell phone? Do we need another um, YouTube channel or another blouse line or another pair of shoes mm -hmm. or sneakers? We don't necessarily need that. But if you approach it in a unique way that brings something special and different to the market, then you have an opportunity to be successful. Yes. And then the final component is you have to get all your ducks in a row. Nowadays, you cannot get away with mediocre product. Mm -hmm. So your quality has to be right. Your fit has to be right. Your marketing, your pricing, everything mm -hmm. you do, the way you run your business. If somebody runs the, I'm going to give you another example. Mm -hmm. So I saw this brand and I thought what they did was really great. So I wanted to buy it for myself. So mm -hmm. I go online and I couldn't maneuver through the website. It was complicated and mm -hmm. difficult. I couldn't get information. I couldn't figure out how to buy it. So I said, I'm off. I gave them like three minutes. They didn't mm -hmm. engage me and I didn't do it. And that's what happens. If you don't have ease of entry and don't have a polished business, if you want buyers or customers to buy from you they're not going yes, to so yes. you really need to have your all your ducks in a row as i say yeah brilliant so so true no matter what industry that you're in everything that you've said i think is so applicable talk a little bit about pricing and i know pricing is very very different for every single um, business company whether you're a product-based business whether you're a service-based business but i'm sure there were some principles that you perhaps can share to give people um, a bit of an insight into some of the things they need to consider as they're thinking about pricing. Were there some, some things that you considered and you brought forward when you're working with a client to help them get to that right pricing? Well, that's where competitive analysis comes in because you need to know what your competitors are pricing their product. When I was running Jessica Simpson Coats, um, my product was actually 20% higher than the competition. Mm -hmm. And even though I complained to my boss many times, I said, you know, if you were 20% less, we would do so much more business, we'd make more dollars. Yes. Our percentages might not be higher, but our dollars, so we'd make more money. He never agreed with that concept, and so we never did it. But we were 20% higher, and I'll tell you, it affected our ability to do business, you know. Mm -hmm. There were people that did a million dollars in sales with me who would have done $10 million in sales with me had I been competitive. You have to know that customers are not dumb. They go mm. into the stores. If everything is 98 and you're 128, they know that. They mm. see that. They understand that. So you have to make sure your prices aren't higher than your competition unless there's an exception. You're bringing some extra value to what you yes. do. And that's the other part of pricing that you have to remember is that you need to give them value. Give them as much value as you possibly can. Don't shortchange it at all. I rather work on less margin, have more business, than have less business and work on higher margin. Mm. But that's, that's my opinion. Not everybody agrees with that, but that's what I think. The thing about that that works to me is that you sell many more people, so you're important to many more stores. And so they, it's not easy for someone not to buy you because yes. they see, you know, you just represent a bigger portion of their business. When you're a smaller brand and you're not making them and you have higher margins and they can't do as much, you're not as important to them. Yeah. So that's why I believe in trying to be as competitive 
even a little bit less money than your competition. Mm. Oh, one of the things that um, you know I've heard from very different product companies too is tapping into the psyche, if you will, the psychographics of their customer. And I recall, and I'm trying to think of the Patagonia, Patagonia wetsuits did this very well. They were a smaller business. They were going up against some of the greater names of the surfing industry. But with their wetsuits, they were very much environmentally, um, you know, cognizant and, and the way they produced the materials didn't damage them. And then they really told their story well. They created a, a real brand persona that was for the environment, tapped into a specific demographic of the market and then that market then you know once they heard about this picked up that message and continued and it was more expensive but they continue to share that message so again it's knowing your market what do they want what are their desires do they want to get behind the social cause in this instance it was environment and when you get that storyline you know down to really tap into the psyche of that client and you know where to go and find them then um, you know everything really clicks it into place being in a competitive industry which is we know that fashion is and many other industries no matter what they're in um, you know making sure that you're always at the forefront you're always kind of seen as maybe leading the industry what are some things that you did as a, a brand or for the brands that you worked with to make sure that you were always at the forefront, if you will, were there some things that you continued to do and, and maybe continue to, to share with your clients as you're consulting with them? Well, to me, the messaging is very important. These mm. days, customers don't only want to buy a brand that they like the, the blouse, the shoe, the dress. They want to have an emotional connection. Mm. So when you do something that speaks to them outside of just the product, it makes a big difference. So if you're environmentally correct, you get people more engaged. When you're um, sustainable, when you're ethically produced, those things really make a difference. Um, I'll tell you a story. When my daughter was in high school, and she's in her 20s now, and when she was in high school, she wanted to buy these shoes by um, the company called Tom's, mm, T-H-O-M-S. Yeah. You've heard of them, yes. I'm sure. And Tom's gave a shoe away for every shoe they sold. And she showed me these shoes and I thought, but Danielle, they're not pretty. And she said, but they give away a shoe for every shoe that they sell. And they became cool mm -hmm. besides, you know, they were like missy, kind of like not really cool or fashionable, yeah. but because they did what they did, that they gave away a shoe to someone who didn't have it, they became cool in her mind. So the association of both really made a difference. Um, I'll tell you another interesting story. I was in a supermarket once when um, many years ago, and there's this brand and um, this TV show in America called Zach and Cody. Mm. And it's about a family. You know of it? No, I haven't heard. No, no. Yes, it's uh, years ago. But these twins, these young boys, um, their mother ran a hotel and they lived in this hotel and that was the whole premise of the show. So I'm in the supermarket and there's this yogurt that says Zach and Cody yogurt. Yeah. And these little kids who were like in kindergarten said, mommy, Zach and Cody yogurt, we have to buy that. 
And she said, but you don't even know if you like yogurt. And they said, but it's Zach and Cody, so it must be good. Yeah. So those associations really do matter. I agree with you on that. Yeah, so, so powerful. And you create this tribe, you know, of people who really get behind your brand message. And um, yeah, so, so, so important. Well, we have covered so much valuable and valuable insights and we've only just scratched the surface, I'm sure, Maria. For those people who are thinking that they would love to work with an expert, someone who has got a wealth and depth of experience such as yourself, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Well, they could go to my website, um, vibeconsulting.co forward slash podcast and they can ask for they can either download my book or they can ask me for a one-on-one -on -one consultation and I'd be delighted to speak with them fantastic well thanks once again for coming on the show thank you so much it's a pleasure being here you've been listening to women in leadership podcast brought to you by podcastingwithpurpose.com stand out be heard influence Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including our no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.